I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. That's been a good day. How's it? How's it? Yeah, it's been the, the greenest of greens. Mm-hmm. Are we having a good day, are we? Are you having a good day in getting stocks? I'm just checking my trade in 212. If, uh, so I'm going to mess this intro up. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Playing Footsie podcast. Uh, each week, we, me and the two Steves, uh, we talk about all things stocks uh, that have been going on in the week. And there is a lot of news. We haven't really got a topic today. Uh, it's more that just there's a lot of news to talk about. And there's... We're going to have a lot of fun today. I think Steve W's got a game, and I'm just checking my trading 212 account to see how we're doing. This is recorded on Thursday. Uh, and, ooh, hello. We've done very well. The stocks have done very, very well today, haven't they? How have you guys been doing in your stocks? Uh, I've done all right. Yeah, I think I've done as well as um, everybody else. So uh, all sides of my portfolio really have um, have had a pretty good day. So um, my small cap pie uh, that I have in, in my taxable account, my uh, ISA is, is coming back. It's still 2,500 behind where I want it to be at the moment. And um, crypto has gotten wild as well. So it's been one of those days where you've got to just salute the US government and thank you for my free money. <laughs> <laughs> how about you steve this week's been all right actually it's a strange sort of thing every time we record this on the thursday it feels like my portfolio moves around quite a lot between the thursdays and ends up pretty much back where it started every thursday so every time we get ready for this i wake up sort of in the morning thinking oh good i'll tell paul and steve about how this really interesting thing has happened in my portfolio and it's undone itself by the time we get around to podcasting so this week uh, my kind of bank exposure meant that yesterday on the JP Morgan earnings, my portfolio kind of sunk quite a bit, along with some other stuff as well. Uh, and this week on some more, uh, sorry, today on some more earnings, it's kind of lifted itself back um, up to where it started and then past that a little bit as well. So I was expecting to tell you about how I've had a catastrophe because uh, JP Morgan, actually what I'm telling you is once again, I'm kind of back where I started again. Uh, such is the way of things, I suppose. Same time next week. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, JP Morgan's up uh, 1.5 today. Semiconductors. Is there good semiconductor news today? Because it looks like all the semiconductors are up like 3 or 4% today. Uh, I imagine ASML is up even higher than that, if, if that's what the trend is. But I'm guessing there must have been some sort of semiconductor news today. Is, has anyone seen it? Yeah, yeah. N- nice guessing, Paul. I think we get to that a little bit later. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, now I now I remember what it is. I remember. I remember. Okay, let's move on, and we're going to start off with a game today. I think Steve W's got a game. Um, I have no idea what it is, and I've done absolutely no sort of preparation for this either. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Cool. Okay. So here is this week's game. Uh, This week's game is ESG themed. So ESG is a way of assessing the ethical credentials of companies using environmental, social and governance dimensions. Um, So with that in mind, I present to you this week's game. Drum roll, please, Steve. Oh, I wasn't that prepared. Oh. 
The only way is ethics. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Right. Nice. Um, nice. This week I've gone for a slightly different format. It's a familiar kind of theme, but this time I've gone for a kind of build your own uh, adventure approach. Uh, so I've been looking on Refinitiv, which uh, evaluates and scores various companies on their ESG credentials, and I've been looking at what the scores of various different companies are. Um, and this time I've got numbers 1 through to 20. So normally we would pick a number and then someone would read out a bunch of companies and then you would kind of compare them and work out which one you think is whatever the relevant theme of the week is. This time I'll let you pick your own comparisons. So if you give me two numbers, I will tell you which they are and you just tell me which one has a higher uh, ESG score according to Refinitiv. And in a few cases I've had to weed out things I would like to have tried for reasons I'll come back to. But um, Mm. what do you reckon, Paul? Can you go first here? Uh, yes, uh, I've got to pick two numbers, haven't I? Yes, please. Uh, which uh, doubles my uh, <laughs> my brain power. So, like, <laughs> cheers for that. Um, all right, well, we'll keep it simple. I know numbers one and I know numbers two. So that will be a good start. <laughs> numbers one and numbers two. Here we go. Um, uh, okay, Paul. He's, he's just got to them in his... In his uh... Kindergarten book. I mean, <laughs> for the people listening, this is all quite mean. Paul's had a long day and quite a long week as well, so attacking him further with um, something that he's normally not that focused on with the game and what numbers have gone is is slightly harsh. But at least here's a couple of stocks that you do know, Paul, uh, and you can attempt to evaluate the ESG scores of. Um, mm. Stock number one is. Medtronic, which is, I think, and this is a a slightly left-field suggestion here, uh, my favourite Briscoe video that I've ever seen was your analysis of Medtronic, uh, talking about that and the things that it does and the reasons that you wanted to buy it at the time and so on and so forth. Uh, So I know you know a lot about this company. Not sure quite how much you can assess their ESG credentials, but see how you go. Uh, Stock two is one that I think I've seen you talking about before, and it's BAE Systems, which is just up the road from Steve D, I think. Hmm. Yeah, it's well. It's I think it's something right from everyone to be honest with you, because I think it's got something like forty sites around the UK. So, but I think there's a big, there is a big one in Hall. It's been selling a lot in uh, up north, and hasn't it? Um, this is going to be stupidly hard, and I know it's going to be stupidly hard because we get the environmental bit, we kind of get the government governance bit, but the social bit is really really hard and 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 i think we've talked about this in the previous podcast that the the social and governance bit really throws the csg to the opposite of what you think it is i think bae has a really quite quite a high esg score so medtronic what would that be in esg uh i'm gonna say bae is higher the Medtronic because it's got a stupid because of the stupid governments it'll 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 be doing something like giving to charity in Saudi Arabia at the same time as selling them um, uh, <laughs> arms. So I'm going to go with BAE higher than Medtronic because Medtronic's doing a lot of good in the world, but it won't be doing something to do with governance. You're correct, Paul. Woo! Wow, I was not there. expecting that. I was uh, I was hovering over the wrong icon. 
I was not expecting that when I looked this up either. I don't have much colour for you, but Paul is also dead right in thinking this is very hard. I mean, so some of these might be easy, some of these might be difficult. There is a strict possibility that you pick some that are impossible because they're the same. So I guess you get three options. You can have high or lower or the same in each of these. Mm. Um, But you're selecting your own pairs, right? So I haven't matched these up for you, which is where you get interesting comparisons like BAE and Medtronic, which are sort of wildly different types of things. But BAE has a score of 73 and Medtronic has a score of 72. Uh, oh so, right, so they are close, mm, they are which makes it really, really difficult. Yeah. Points to Paul, and, and it's but it's it's worth pointing out the color of that one. Of, uh, I mean, think of BAE. So BAE creates weapon systems and cybersecurity stuff. So that 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 contributes to the S part of it. But then Medtronic is basically doing medical equipment and saving lives, and. Uh, pushing uh, robotic surgeries, which is about the only bit I touch on in my latest video that I recorded today or yesterday um, on Metronic. Uh, but yeah, this is going to be a tough game. This is going to be a really tough game. I think it's going to be is a it, tough game as well. Is it out of 20, Steve? Yes. Well, it's now between 3 and 20. <laughs> okay, cool. I will have 7, and just to keep it easy for Paul, 18. <laughs> <laughs> God, no one's no one said there was twenty. <laughs> I'm okay, get a <laughs> let's see how you go with these. Then these are two, uh, some ways similar and some ways different outfits. So number seven is Philip Morris, um, tobacco, cigarette, and uh, some other things. Company um, number eighteen is Total, the uh, oil major. Okay, now. Oh, that's hard. Wow. That's hard. So well. I, I imagine Philip Morris scores fairly poorly on this because um, because of what it does. And I assume Total scores quite poorly because of, of what it, its main product is, but probably redeems itself by having uh, some sort of green credentials um, and being a little bit less <laughs> shooty than Shell. Um, so allegedly Um, so I'm going to have to go with Total but that sounds strange as I say it but yeah Total let's go with it Uh, Paul was shaking his head and nodding his head at various points through those bits I wasn't sure whether at first he was shaking his head because he thought you were wrong or because he thought this is very difficult I thought Mm, I I think he's wrong uh, because I don't think green credits contribute very highly to ESG they don't contribute as much as we think they do uh, they contribute as much as Steve thinks they do because he's correct. Ah, good boy. Um, and Steve uh, is—it's it's very close, and you're not going to like the numbers is that it? are coming down here. Uh, so Medtronic and BAE were 72 and 73 respectively. Philip Morris is 89, um, and total scores 91. This is why ESG is a lot of shite. It's stupid. <laughs> so I like absolutely stupid. I like it's... Steve's way of thinking here that companies like Total are going to be very sensitive to how things like ESG are measured, and part of the environment bit is emissions, uh, which you would think they're quite uh, cautious of. Here's something I found when I was looking into a lot of this stuff. A lot of the companies that I wanted to put on here, like Netflix, I found I realistically couldn't because. Refinitiv, if it doesn't have enough information about them because companies don't provide enough information, automatically scores them at zero. So Netflix has a lot of missing information and averages about 20 as a result, um, which I thought was just ruining the point of the what nebulous point there is to this game um, entirely, <laughs> basically. So I went for ones at least where I, that they took themselves to have complete data uh, one way or another. 
Um, <laughs> and so Total, you might well think there's a good bit of gaming going on here, but it turns out Philip Morris are, let's say, almost as good uh, at gaming this ESG thing as, as oil companies are. Mad. Absolutely mad. All right, okay, then. Paul. Um, uh, seven mm-hmm. and... 12 <laughs> go for go for two <laughs> seven and two <laughs> you, you can have 12 i can't have seven <laughs> no yeah. no for the first time i think in history steve has selected number seven all oh, right yeah, I, I, when i said seven in my head i went steve didn't pick that because i thought he picked three all right then it's because i didn't say lucky number seven wasn't it uh, yeah lucky it was number seven what well, you threw me you threw me <laughs> okay Three yep. and twelve, also known three as seven point one. Three is UK drinks company Diageo. Uh, <laughs> twelve is US giant bank JP Morgan. Ooh. Oh, oh! I don't dear. like this as a combo at all. I think this is horrible. Uh, how how do you possibly judge this? So, Diageo is obviously contributing to the lovely liver crisis that we have here in the UK and probably around the US as well. And JP Morgan basically makes money off loans. So (laughs) I have absolutely no idea here. I think JP Morgan are going to be better at gaming this system by saying that they deliver back to society more in certain ways. But I have no idea. That's the only logic I can apply to this. Fair enough. You'll not be surprised to hear you are incorrect. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say I thought the Diageo would be better at gaming the system. I thought JP Morgan wouldn't give a fuck what the ESG score was. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a point. Yeah. I, bet, I, I, bet he, I bet Jamie Diamond picks that picks that form up and goes, fuck this, and then just chucks it away. I can imagine that, actually, yeah. Mm. I strongly suspect he does. Um, but yeah. Diageo has a score of 89, JP Morgan has a score of 82. Uh, <laughs> such is... Still really high, really, really high. Really? I'll high. be honest, any of these that I managed to find with a complete set of scores, so not something that had, like, half of it missing and scored 30, right? Um, they... They're all higher than... Well, they're all high-ish, right? There's nothing that's... Mm. There isn't anyone with a complete score across all the dimensions that averages 10 uh, or something and like su- that because they're just terrible I suppose at all it's of it. got, Yeah, I suppose it's got to be a little bit fair as well because, you know, these you could have a company like, I don't know, like Tesla, which is changing the world of environment, supposedly, and, you know, everyone thinks that that's a great ESG company. But then other company, other companies do have positives in different areas, so it does all need to be weighed up, I suppose. There isn't any one company that's inherently evil, because if there was, I don't think they'd be a successful company, right? I think that's how, it, I think that's how capitalism works. Yeah, Facebook's not on this, don't worry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they did have a one for shareholders, which is something we talked about a little while ago when we were talking about Google having a low shareholder thing. Zuckerberg basically runs that company and does what he wants, regardless of what shareholders say, which mm. I think contributes to that. But, mm. uh, okay, uh, Steve. Four and nine. Four and nine. Uh, four and nine. Oh, you'll like four and nine. <coughs> um, it's two UK stocks. Uh, four is one of your favourites, I think. Taylor Wimpy. Mm-hmm. You kind of like them. Uh, nine mm-hmm. is, I think, your other favourite, Aviva. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I 
I think I know the answer to this, to be honest, but I think, and I don't think it's going to be awfully close. Um, Steve, give me a nod. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have in mind by awfully close? Well, I think there's going to be a good 15, 20 point difference between the two. Uh oh, because I was going to say it's Aviva because this is the kind of crap that Aviva get up to rather than actually making any money. Um, whereas you know, I think Taylor Wimpy, yeah, I can see why Taylor Wimpy would score fairly well. They're a very good house builder, by the way. Check them out. But um, yeah, I'm going to go with Aviva because that's the sort of crap that Aviva would get up to. They're not getting up to enough of it, Steve. You're wrong. Give <laughs> over. Uh, Aviva has a score of 74. Taylor Wimpy has a score of 81. Mm. And Aviva, Don't worry, give, I was going to say... Give the planet say, lung cancer or destroy yeah. the planet by burning oil, but no, <laughs> sell insurance and you'll be worse for the planet. They No, Aviva probably have a very poor shareholder score because they've screwed their shareholders for the past five years. And that that is the one reason why I was going to say Aviva. They've been screwed yeah, they've ten been... years if I'd have kept it. <laughs> 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 Fucking dog. <laughs> All right, Paul. Uh, I actually wrote down some numbers, so I might be able to guess. Most of the high now. numbers are still there. Yeah, uh, fourteen and twenty. Okay, um, fourteen is Unilever. Um, Ooh, lovely. consumer goods, everything company basically. Um, and number twenty is Caterpillar, manufacturer of butterflies and stuff. Oh man. Caterpillar's got to be the winner, isn't it? It's got to, it, like, it's got to be the best one. It's got to be. But Unilever is going to fudge the system more. So Unilever. Paul is correct. Yeah. That mm. we're we just go. proving how sad the world is now. You realise this is going to be a depressing game now. I, th- I certainly think Unilever's more attentive to their ESG score than Caterpillar uh, are, but this one's actually not very close. Again, it's the pairs that you choose, right? So some of these could be close, some of these could be not. But there is actually mm-hmm. this time, and I nearly said this to Steve, that there wasn't one available last time. Good job I didn't, I was wrong. Um, there is a 20-point difference between these, uh, which is 92 for Unilever and 72 for Caterpillar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about how much they care about it, really, isn't it? So that's mm-hmm. all it is. Yep. Steve? Uh, six and 13. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. See, see what you make of these two, Steve. Uh, six is French big farmer Sanofi. Uh, mm-hmm. 13 is American, I guess we call it big tech, Salesforce. Oh, well, no, Salesforce is going to win this one hands down, or they should do, because of their, um, they have a pretty uh, decent record of letting their employees go and do charitable things. They give profits away as well. They have a very high, uh, they have a very high conscious sort of capitalism approach. And, oh, but the only thing I'm thinking is Benioff has a lot of control over that company, so they will get, <laughs> now bollocks to it. It's got to be Salesforce. <laughs> if it isn't Salesforce, this this game's stupid, mate. It, <laughs> <laughs> Stop the world, Paul. Are you going to tell him or shall I? <laughs> I think I, I th- it has to be Salesforce. I'm, I'm not. Go- I'm going to stick with him on this one. It's going to be Salesforce. Uh, you guys are ruining my game here. It's wrong. <laughs> I know it's wrong, but it's the sad. I'm not pressing the, sad the thing about the world, I'm in control it? of the button. I'm not pressing it. <laughs> will you press? The- <laughs> will you press the button? What will you do to the button if I tell you the score is 91 to 67? 
Well, it just wow. tells you all you need to know about ESG. If you're investing in wow. ESG funds, you're just being gamed, aren't you? That's all. So far, That's it looks like if you're in. invested in ESG funds, you own quite a lot of consumer defensives and quite a lot of big sin things. Some of which may be the same thing in yeah. the case of I Philip mean, people Morris. investing in ESG, do they really know they're investing in BAE? They're investing in Big Pharma? They're investing in Philip Morris, the cigarette company? Is that what you do you guys really think you're investing in something oh God. good there? Okay, right. Hurry and quickly to the end of this game. Come on, Paul. There's, there's some numbers left. Get on with it. Uh, um, uh, 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 uh. Have we done 19 and 4? You can have 19. Five? Uh, and five. You can have nineteen. You can have nineteen and five. Sure. Um, five yes. is uh, is definitely U.S. big tech Microsoft, um, and nineteen is uh, U.S. bum cleaning company Kimberly Clark. <laughs> 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 oh, I'd, I'd love to say I'd love to say Kimberly Clark here. Um, this one Clorox comes down thing. to the bomb coin, I think. <laughs> nah, this, this is my, this, no doubt. This, this has got to be Microsoft. Microsoft have to win this. Uh, what would you do if I said you were wrong, Paul? Uh, I don't care. It's, it's, just, it's just wrong. <laughs> Fine. Uh, Paul, you are not wrong um, this time. Oh. You are correct. Um, yeah, Microsoft which... think too much about this, right? They, they think about that. They, they, they have to take that to court. There's a number that they can take to court, and that's it. It's a big number. They're taken to the courts as well. It's, it's 94 on Refinitiv. Kimberly Clark at 75, yeah. because I don't know where their stuff goes into. Landfill, maybe? How much of their bog will yeah. be grades? Uh, I, I'm sure that's <laughs> not how they evaluate it, by the way. But, um, but okay, also... Steve. Sorry, go on, Paul. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just they also did really well in the pandemic, didn't they, because of the um, all the Clorox stuff that they, they sold. and uh, They were saving humanity that way. But I don't think that comes think into Clorox ESG schools. sold Clorox, didn't they? Yeah. Um, Clorox sold bleach, oh, right? sorry. which is their kind of product. <laughs> I mean, they were mainly they, selling did, things that... They did dog roll, Clark, they? Kimberly Clark? Did Kimberly Clark not own Clorox? I thought they did. No. 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 Clorox is not oh, right. Clorox. Sorry. Paul, have you been wiping yourself with Clorox? <laughs> <laughs> You've been drinking Clorox again, Paul. <laughs> They must own something. They own something. They own Dettol. They own a toilet brand. Maybe they own, like, Armitage Shanks or something. I don't know. No, De- I need Dettol to, I need to look is GSK, <laughs> isn't it? Um, oh, no, Rickett. Rickett Benkiser is Dettol, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So. You're right, it is, yeah. Ten and eight. Ten and eight. Um, eight is uh, UK retailer Marks & Spencers. Right. Ten is um, probably the company I would buy if you buy what you use, Mondelez. <laughs> Oh, well, Mondelez will win this because of child slavery. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, uh, you're going for Mondelez, huh? I am, yes. Uh, yeah, 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 you're wrong. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> How can I be wrong? Everybody else is winning points for doing terrible things. Yeah, Mondelez don't care. They, they make Cadbury stuff, who cares? And they make Oreos yeah, they and sat- they make Toblerones and... They sacked everybody who, who they, they bought Cadbury and said, we won't sack anyone, don't worry. And they sacked everyone. <laughs> Marks and Spencer has a score wow. of 89. Uh, yeah, go on. 89? Yeah. Wow, I am, I, I am on the Kimberly Clark website and uh, it is just toilet roll, you're right. That's all it is. It's just toilet roll brands. Toilet, toilet roll and huggies, that's it. So what score did Mondelez get? Uh, 72. Sorry. Of course it is. 
<laughs> which, it, for uh, what it's worth, is, a, is the same as Medtronic. Hmm. Yeah, mad, mad. Um, right. Uh, where we go? Left because I'm lost. Um, you got uh, 11, 15, 16, or 17. Yeah. Well, two of them. Uh, 16 and 17, then, because they're the two remember, oh, okay. numbers I remember out of that. Uh, so we have um, uh, AAA rated Johnson and Johnson is 16. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And Steve's favourite industrial waste management. Um, so related to Kimberly Ooh. Clark, I guess. Uh, 17. Ooh. See, I want to take a serious guess here at waste management because I think they're going to be better. But, so you've already won. Um, you might as well. But because of uh, because it's the SG, and uh, I've forgotten what the other company were now. What was the other company? <laughs> Johnson, 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 and Johnson. Johnson, Johnson. Yeah, Johnson and Johnson. Because they kill babies with um, with talcum powder. Yeah. With talcum powder. I'm going to go with Johnson yeah. and Johnson. Killing babies with talcum powder, or or a company that was found guilty of fraud. Which one is? <laughs> <laughs> which one are you going for? <laughs> we'll go with Johnson. The fraud thing was the fraud thing was longer ago, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was it was about twenty ESG. years ago. ESG investors forget quickly. It's uh, the, the, you're wrong. It's waste management in this case. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, uh, that's that's good. It's it's nice that it is waste management because at least it's a little bit better and they're trying to do the whole recycling thing i suppose but oh my god were, uh, there was a really it's sad that there was a reasonable chance of it being johnson and johnson there that's the that's the problem right <laughs> 11 and 15 then steve Eleven and 15. With them. Uh, <laughs> a company you like and a company that you kind of want to like i think uh so okay. 11 is adobe um, okay. Company you like. Okay. And a company that I think you sort of want to like but don't really dare look at, which is Albemarle. Ooh. Mm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. The reason I don't like to look at Albemarle is because it's tripled since I sold it. Same. So, uh, so for that, I think they will probably mark that down for offences to me. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to pick. Um, am I going to pick? <laughs> Uh, see the company? I've already forgotten. Oh, Adobe. It's Adobe, yeah, yeah. Adobe. Adobe's going to win that. Of course they are. Uh, Adobe or more child no, slavery. No, mate. Adobe uh, photoshopping 14-year-old girls on Instagram. Oh this uh, ESG negative. ESG negative. No way. They're creating, <laughs> they're creating too much bad mental health stuff in the world. The lesser of two evils. I'll go for a draw. How about that? That'd be interesting. <laughs> there was a chance of a draw, wasn't me? There was. I mean, there isn't now. But Okay. <laughs> I'll go back to my original answer of Adobe. <laughs> Out of interest, Steve, do you still own Adobe? I don't know. What's that done since you sold oh, you it? Don't. I mean, it probably hasn't tripled, but... No, no, it's actually down from when I sold oh. it. I, I, I timed the punts off it. Well done. Uh, well, consider yourself uh, fortunate enough to have a consolation point, then, in that case. You are correct. Uh, final score is 3-2. End of that game. Least said about that, the better. <laughs> No, it's a great game. <laughs> it's just the, no. It's the, a good game. The, in fact, yeah, you know when the, the the data say the people people in data say if you put crap in, you get crap out, and that's exactly what Refinitiv are doing. <laughs> yeah, that is that is you you've just we've 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 uh, we've reflected from a mirror back onto society here today. We've shown oh. how full of crap this is, um, well, and a lot we of people. We need to apologise to people because. 
there's going to be a hell of a lot of people who tomorrow are going to have to completely change their portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're going to go ramming it full of big oil now. <laughs> well, you might as well, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? What's the, what, what does it matter? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Actually, so you're yeah, avoiding all these said... companies and investing your pension in it. <laughs> I, was, I was actually talking to my dad the other day about his pension and where he's invested it and trying not to give too much away about his personal situation, I guess. But he said to his personal financial advisor, whatever it is, who's charging him 4% to put it in fucking shitty index funds or whatever. Um, he said, oh, I don't I don't want anything in ESG, which surprised. Uh, no, he wanted stuff in ESG. He didn't say ESG specifically. He said something like, I don't want them to be making money from bombs and that. Something like that is what he said, and um, and I, now I now I wonder if if his financial advisor just went to ESG funds and went boop 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 in ESG funds and actually looked at some of the holdings in there because we will find no. Raytheon, we will find uh, BAE and stuff like that. I, I really do think that. I wonder if we can get out of his pension from that one. Yeah. Matter. <laughs> I thought ESG right. funds were all doing quite well because they were basically all just full of big tech, which had done quite well sort of recently. And that was mainly yeah, what was I, driving it. It wasn't particularly because of any kind of ethical or environmental trend or anything of that sort. It was more that people view Apple as kind of inoffensive in a certain way, maybe because it's quite good at uh, presenting itself to the ESG inspectors or however they evaluate these things. Um, and yeah. Yeah, Apple's done really well in the last sort of uh, 18 months or so. I think my point more was that he's gone to a financial advisor mm. who is and said, "I don't, I want ESG, or I want to, I don't want my money in anything evil." And I wonder if a financial advisor actually thinks and goes, "Okay, let's try and find some funds without this in," or they just type ESG into their into their uh, little computer and it just comes up with a load of ESG funds and he just clicks the top one, I, I, which I imagine is what they do. Basically, that's what I did when I was buying for one of my godsons. So I've uh, put mm. money aside for two godsons in stocks, and one of them's three now. So he's got a kind of a set of things that he likes and preferences and so on. He likes cars and stuff, so things like General Motors and that kind of thing. The other one's one, and it's kind of hard to discern what he really likes or dislikes right now. So what I did was just punched in the ESG stuff and bought something that was reasonably high near the top of it. Uh, he now owns Procter & Gamble as a result. You should have gone for Kimberly Clark. <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way of putting in that Kimberly Clark joke there, but well done. You got there first. Right, <laughs> uh, let's move on swiftly from this one because uh, we're going to be making toilet roll jokes pretty soon. So, uh, there's been a lot of news this week. Um, wow, where shall we start? Uh, actually, I'm going to start with, a, with an easy one. Uh, Shatner went into space. He went up with... Uh, did he go up with Jeff Bezos? I think he did. So Jeff Bezos went up his second time into... Can I go, like, space? Because it's not quite space, is it? It's like on the outer <laughs> edge of space. And they, they kind of kiss space and then come back down. That's That seems to be all they do with... Oh, Briscoe's become the do. protector of space. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, kissing space is what I spent my weekends doing, actually. But... <laughs> 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 but did, did any of you did any of you guys see when he when they came down they were interviewing um uh, they were interviewing him and asking him what it felt like being up there and he was giving this like really heartfelt um like speech about space and <laughs> Bezos comes along and goes, <laughs> <"Got your> pay! 
<laughs> he he just completely he's like sprays it all over this woman. <laughs> you're like, oh, great. Like, after a good, like, you could have got it right this time, Jeff. You could have uh, actually, like, given something back to the moment. But again, he proved how much he just cannot read the room. And uh, that was just one of the things I saw that, on that video. They, you guys they, they showed you why he's been so quiet as a CEO because PR have just gone, you know what? Wheel someone else out. He's not the man to front. He just cannot read a room. He's got he's got yeah. no tact whatsoever, yeah. has he? Um, yeah. I mean, the idea of taking Shatner into space is quite an interesting idea. It's like PR friendly. You know, Bezos looks really good off the back of it. And he's managed to ruin it again. So I wonder who he takes next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I haven't I'm seen quite as really... much of Bezos blundering around in front of rooms and so on and so forth. I've only seen kind of one major address from him, I think, which is probably quite bad given the amount of space in my portfolio Amazon takes up. But the thing I saw from him was, I think, last year's congressional hearings where there was him and Sundar Pichai and um, uh, Tim Cook and... Um, must have been the Netflix... Uh, no, uh, Facebook. Oh, Zuckerberg, sorry. Um, testifying before Congress. And the Bezos robot, gave yeah. a really nice... Bezos gave a really nice story about himself and his kind of beginnings and so on. I thought he actually presented very, very well on that occasion. He reminded me of uh, Chris Morris from IT Crowd. I don't know if you've ever seen it, though, where he was like, <laughs> all I had when I started this company was a dream and £10 million. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would say the same because I thought it was... It wasn't robotic, but it was more like... It was like he was reading it off a teleprompter, or he had practiced it for yeah, he'd three been weeks drilled, straight. It? it looked yeah, very, it yeah. looked very and, carefully practiced. I agree. Yeah, and it and like you say, it was like a it was a story about oh, such a young boy growing up with my daddy. We didn't have much, and uh, then I then I had this small business idea after I left a uh, hedge fund because I'm pretty sure it was a hedge fund manager or something before he started Amazon, mm. and. Um, uh, and yeah, he told he told this like uh, rags to riches story, didn't he? Really, but it it, it really wasn't. And yeah, the thing, the I thing don't know about Amazon. It is hard to deny. He took a small amount of money and turned it into a hell of a lot of money. Uh, yeah, you know, how, however however much he start with, but he has definitely um, he sort of I feel like he's lost touch with those roots recently. But you know, he he he's been an incredible CEO. Um, mm of Amazon especially, and he's built an incredible team and he's made the right changes, he's made the right decisions all the way through his tenure, so it's hard to criticise him in that front. It's just maybe have somebody else talk again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just recently he's been absolutely messing up. Have you guys seen Squid Game yet? That's the other thing I wanted to ask, yeah, because we talked I about it last haven't... week, I think. You have, you've been watching it. You've been watching I've seen it. the first episode. Um, I tend oh, to right, watch okay. that. My, uh, when I'm kind of by myself, I'm not sure that's one the wife will enjoy particularly. So, I, Christ, I yeah. found that quite harrowing, that first one. I'm not watching that before bed. Yeah, it's good. I almost put it on with my kids, and um, and then I realised very quickly <laughs> I should not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I, I was watching... When my first kid was about seven months, uh, we watched Narcos, and uh, one of one of his first memories must be a guy getting his head sta uh, stamped, skull stamped inwards. He was laughing at it. He was laughing at it. 
<laughs> I don't think he understood why he was watching. Uh, one of my friends, uh, he's got he's got two little girls, and his I think the first thing that, he, that they kind of watch together, he thought, oh, we'll sit down and watch this new cartoon. It'll be it'll be great for kids to watch. And he put on Rick and Morty. Rick and, and Morty, like, yeah. Two and three, and he was like, oh, about halfway through, he thought this is not the right show for young kids. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes I've been watching things like Rick and Morty in Rick and Morty uh, downstairs or whatever in the morning. Then the kid the kids will come downstairs. And I'll be watching it. I'll kind of turn it off very quickly. And he'll go, no, no, I want it on. It looked good. I'm going, oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, <laughs> all right. Steve, let's, let's... St- uh, Steve and I were discussing um, Squid Games just before we uh, kind of came on, actually. And there is a roughly financial point to do with some of this, or at least stocks-related thought. I mean, yeah. I heard of Squid Games because um, YouTuber JT Wealth, I think, uh, put something out on Instagram that pointed out that here's one of the lessons to take from Squid Games. People get into desperate trouble when they're in debt. Not like Squid Games levels of trouble, but desperate people do desperate things, and if your debts run away with you, you can end up having to do things you really don't want to be doing. And I guess that really just reinforces the point of being at least financially in control to some degree and not having your finances run away from you like that. Steve had a more kind of uh, practical thought, I guess, on the subject, but that was what I kind of took from it. <clears throat> I saw a really just just as a side note, I saw a really interesting point that um, SK Telecom are actually suing Netflix um, because the in South Korea it's been such a hit that it took up so much bandwidth that SK Telecom has just been absolutely fighting fires, just trying to keep their basically keep their their internet service up, and they've turned around to Netflix and gone, "Well, you caused this, you should pay for it." <laughs> and now whether or not I actually believe that per se is is a different story, but what it does show is that. You know, Netflix will continue to keep chucking money at anything left, right, and, uh, everything left, right, and center. And, and Squid Game was one of those shows. Another one of those shows, like Breaking Bad, that was turned down by absolutely everybody. And Netflix has gone, "Hey, we'll we'll throw some money at this. We'll let you. We'll you know we'll let you shoot it. We'll distribute it for you." And and it's come off again. So, you know, they, you throw a lot of mud. Some of it kind of sticks in the right places, doesn't it? So, and I think that's kind of yeah. Netflix's plan. And and I think that's put them firmly on everyone's radar again yeah i i agree and i that's why i kind of wanted to talk about it because i think i still i still don't think netflix is going to keep up with the rest it, what what's going to happen in my eyes it, it, well the only two things that can happen in my eyes is that netflix keeps its valuation and its uh, earnings eventually meet its current 250 billion valuation or the others, which are currently at 50 and 60 and 70 billion valuation, come up to that. So the, the, the way I see it is getting into those second bests right now is the way forward. The HBO, HBO Max, uh, into uh, Discovery, into Comcast, anything, any of those stocks which are still sitting at 70 billion there has to be a medium in between netflix is not going to be uh, it's going to be number one but it's not going to be like the only channel we watch and we have to remember this there's going to be competitors and they're coming and they're coming they're coming quite quickly as well so disney plus is another big one which you know um i can't actually remember the market cap of disney right now you one of you guys will have that on the top of your head i think it's about 180 billion i think off the top of my head 180 billion so Netflix could, could easily be. surpass uh, uh, Disney could easily surpass Netflix in in that range. It's it's interesting. It's very 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 interesting to see what's coming next. And some of the HBO shows, 
Oh, smart. Take it from me, first, first-hand experience. They spend a lot of money. Disney's double. $317 billion in Disney at the moment. Oh, is it? Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, it's a lot more than I thought. Um, the, the one of, he's actually, just as uh, while we're on Disney, um, he's one of the CEOs that uh, a lot of people think is under a bit of pressure at the moment. Bob Iger has uh, uh, apparently admitted throughout the company that he doesn't think JPEG is... Uh, is doing the right things. I think he's too data-driven and not enough of a front man, and they think his seat's under a little bit of heat already. So that will be mm. interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I think I heard Does that a Bob... little while ago. Yeah. Does Bob Iger have much of a say? I know he's on the board he's now, isn't he? still there, Bob yeah. Iger. Yeah, he's, he's doing, remember, he's doing a long runoff before he actually formally hands it over completely. Yeah. So. Mm, interesting. Interesting. I haven't read that. All right, so more that's coming up. Uh, so earnings are coming out this week. I think that's been the biggest story uh, of this week. <coughs> and uh, judging by the trading 212 uh, portfolio today, uh, gone up by a, nearly a grand just in a day, which is crazy. Um, it looks like earnings season is upon us and people are starting to get very positive. So what's the story there? What You guys got anything... Uh, any reasons why this might have happened? Well, here's one thing that's caught my eye a little bit. I'm not quite sure about what's moving markets in other areas, but the earnings season usually starts with the banks. Um, and a lot of people think that the banks are a kind of reasonable sort of bellwether for the economy. And these are the kind of big money center US banks, right? So I'm thinking uh, Citigroup, JP Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. We'll take those four as a kind of initial steer for how things are going. And JP Morgan reported yesterday, Wednesday, uh, we're recording on a Thursday, um, and their earnings were slightly underwhelming in certain ways. Things dropped after their earnings. Um, mm. Their EPS was up 28% on last year, but most of that was coming from a release of funds being used to cover for bad loans, basically. So Jamie Dimon was saying, as the economy improves, we don't need to keep as much back now for bad loans anymore. That comes out, that can be released. EPS goes up. Their revenues were reasonably flat. They had a little bit of a beat, but they're only up 4% or so, which is... Uh, a lot less interesting than up 28 at the level of EPS. Uh, and things sagged a little bit after JP Morgan's um, earnings. Bank of America today have come out with something much more impressive, at least for this quarter anyway. Their EPS, again, with a loan release, is up by 66.7% uh, is what I was looking at from last year, which is huge for a bank. But again, mm. big loan release covering a lot of that. But their revenues, which has nothing to do with loan releases, are up by 10%. And double-digit growth on a bank that size with a PE like that, is, is impressive, impressive stuff. Yeah. Hmm. The others haven't really matched it, by the way. So Citigroup and Wells Fargo, their revenues are both off by about 3% this year. So there's there's different things coming down the pipe on on the banks, but Bank of America looks like it's the one that's kind of won the last quarter, as it were. Investing lasts a lot longer than the quarter, but Warren Buffett will be pleased somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so uh, was there any was there any specific reason they gave for that growth or just because um, I, I haven't seen that? Yeah, a more aggressive investment policy uh, is what they talked okay. about. I mean, they haven't gone into the uh, details yeah. on that particularly. But Wells Fargo, of course, is under an asset cap at the moment, but it's been moving forwards. And Citigroup um, has a significant more amount of continued debt, I think. Steve knows this better than me. Citigroup's problem is credit card debt, isn't it? That's what everybody's frightened of with um, with Citigroup. So we're expecting them to uh, suffer uh, in a downturn because people will... They're the first debts you default on because they're the highest interest. So they're the first ones that become problematic. If you believe Citigroup can, and, and the government are going to allow people to weather the storm of credit card debt, 
and we're pretty cool, I think, with City City Group, new CEO. They seem to be performing pretty well, uh, well as well as all the other banks. So, um, the other thing as well is just just quickly to just to tack on the end of it that we got a really good jobs report as well today. Um, mm-hmm. So there's there's still a third of jobless Americans that are on um, long term unemployed, but the uh, they actually added um, a little bit more than they they thought they were going to add this month. So it looked pretty positive across the board, really. I think the the two things combined, and um, we 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 discussed off off camera that. Um, 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 Fastenal are an interesting company. They're, they're kind of a bellwether for the industrial sector, and they had a really decent earnings report as well. And they jumped just under four percent on the news. So, if you're thinking banks are doing well, industrials look like they're doing pretty well. Um, jobs, um, adding jobs more than expected. It looks pretty decent at the moment. I mean, we know the economy. Well, we know the stock market's running hot. Uh, it'd be nice to see the economy moving alongside with it. Mm. Yeah, and uh, another sector as well, semiconductors. We touched on it earlier. Also, uh, the first, uh, the first sort of bell ringer came in quite early, pretty well as well. Anyone got anything on that? Um, TSMC was the one that jumped out to me really for the semiconductor industry. They're moving. They're building a brand new base in Japan. Um, the plant is basically going to be focused on producing all the older style chips that we um, were very short of at the moment as well. But they, they still think they're going to be, we're going to be, well, they called it tight. The word they use was tight for chips through 2022. But they don't think we'll actually uh, be able to meet demand until 2024, which is a little bit of um little, a little bit of an issue. But, um, you know, TSMC building new um uh, new factories is positive for everybody in the semiconductor industry because TMZ, TSMC does the vast majority of the manufacturing for a lot of the semi-industry. So you've noticed that pretty much everybody's gone up with it. ASNL's gone up quite a bit because obviously they're going to need some new machines. Uh, well, they probably need some old machines, to be fair, which is always good for ASML because <laughs> they're always looking to ship something off. Um, but this, the sort of stuff they're making is for the car industry. So the reason we've seen a jump in the car industry is because the cars are finally going to get the chips that they need to, uh, to, to basically make cars, uh, mm. which is something that, you know, car and vans, especially in the UK at the moment, they're very, very difficult to get hold of. Um, anything jump out to you guys? Yeah, I was looking at Taiwan Semi. I saw the sort of numbers. They're, they're small beats on EPS and small beats on revenue, so there's nothing kind of mm. super exciting there. But the growth numbers off that from last year are really quite impressive, I was looking at. They're up 20% in each case. And up 20% with a... And then I sort of looked at the stock a bit more broadly, actually, and I thought to myself, there's quite a lot to actually like here. Uh, I don't think any of us owns mm. this, right? Just quickly. No, no, um, they've got a forward PE in the low twenties. They're in a good sector. We like chips. They uh, they've got the kind of resources to go toe to toe with Intel. Intel are attempting to build out their kind of uh, fabs arm, but Taiwan Semi can battle them reasonably well. They've got low twenties returns on invested capital, returns on equity in the thirties. Debts covered by current assets. They pay a dividend. Loads and loads and loads to like here. I was thinking actually, it looks like a really good company. It's actually priced quite well. Um, Paul, ask me if I'm going to buy it. Uh, why why wouldn't you buy it that's just out of interest <laughs> you're quite well, i think i know what it. you're gonna say you're correct paul i'm not gonna buy it uh, do you want to take over but why am i not gonna buy it paul i'm guessing you're gonna talk about exposure to china close steve any ideas <laughs> what <laughs> i think uh, i was gonna go down the same route so go on hit me it's not isa compliant um, and uh, my money is currently uh, stashed in my ISA, uh, which prevents me from buying it with most of the funds I have available. 
Um, we found this with a few companies. This was a thing for Trading 212 last yeah. year. Uh, Taiwan Semiconductor, which was previously being offered in an ISA, I think, by 212. It was, yeah. Uh, had to be moved on out. Um, and that's the main reason that I'm not buying this thing, because most of my money is in some or other form of ISA. Uh, TSM is not ISA compliant because the underlying stock, you buy the ADR, but the underlying stock doesn't trade on a HMRC recognized exchange, uh, which means that I quite liked it and I did quite a lot of looking at it and then thought, oh, for sake, I can can't you, be buying this thing. Can you hold any yeah. pension? Uh, I don't know. That might be worth a look. Yeah, you should be able to. I can't can't see why you wouldn't. You can pretty, but you can pretty much put anything in your pension, can't you? You can put sheep or something in your pension. But yeah, um... <laughs> So, so with the semiconductors right now, it's, it's a, a big thing. Obviously, we're getting the supply-demand squeeze, which is going to push prices up. And I still think that is going to push prices up, which is going to be very positive for the next two years for all of the companies. So the same companies that I own, Broadcom, is, is the big one, which will come out. I reckon Hocktown is going to really, really push that because they've said that they have back orders and that they can fill, and they always have said they have. With Taiwan Semiconductor, you've got two risks in my opinion one of them i fully believe is intel because intel has something that taiwan semiconductor doesn't have which is uh the u.s government backing so uh a lot of intel's new fab labs are going to be paid for essentially by the u.s government which i'm sorry mate don't fight the government um <laughs> and i i am seriously considering at this point um uh, getting back into Intel uh, because their their new older lake chips are apparently just as good or even better than AMD's, and they're talking about taking on NVIDIA with the uh, GPUs as well. And they are saying, which was which was a famous thing that they've said this week, is that Intel GPUs are not going to be throttled uh, if you wish to mine uh, cryptocurrencies, which NVIDIA do. So there's a lot of let's say young people pandering that Intel could do at the moment, which could really push uh, Intel sales uh, away from uh, NVIDIA and uh, AMD. But also in the same way, don't fight the government. On Taiwan Semiconductor's side, we know that China are pushing um, the, the, the Taiwanese government at the moment. And I think there could be some sort of political risk involved. Well, uh, in interestingly enough, you'll be interested to learn that Taiwan Semiconductor have announced that they will open 15, up to 15 factories in Arizona on a hundred billion expansion plan. Uh, oh, they're also good. chasing the, uh, they're also chasing the, uh, the money from the government as well. Talking their tanks on Intel's lawn, huh? Exactly, yeah. and they're also looking to build the five nanometer chips in America, which Intel cannot do. Not at the moment, no. Well, that's hmm. that's debatable at this point. I didn't know. I I did sort of know that they were going to be building in uh, the US, but I didn't know. It was, I didn't know the figures or anything. But when we talk about the five nanometer chips, uh, Intel, well, it's probably information that's come from Intel that are saying that they do have the capability of creating five nanometer mm. chips. They'll just measure it differently. <laughs> that's what, that's also what the, the other thing <laughs> is uh, that TSMC announced that in the second half of next year, they'll be making three nanometer chips as well. Yeah, just to piss on Intel's chips a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, they're two, they, they they're, are two they're stages ahead, They're aren't good they? fabricators. Yeah. Is this, a, good is this yeah. another sort of measuring thing? Is this a sort of gentleman's three nanometers? Or is it... <laughs> yeah. No, I, I genuinely think it is. They, they have Intel have basically come out and said, 
Uh, yeah, it is nanometers, but nanometers don't matter. What you really need to measure it in was uh, something else. I can't remember what it was, but it's what you um, do with it, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know what you are completely right. That is what in, that's what that news article that that press release was from Intel. It was. Uh, it's not about the size. It's what you do with it. It definitely was. You you you've hit the nail on the head there. So back on the very first playing footsie show, like all those many many months ago, <laughs> uh, and so on, when we when we had even less of a clue of what we're doing than we do now. Um, I talked about Intel, and my basic view <laughs> on Intel was that semiconductors are a really volatile space. So to Paul's first point about Intel's late chips, uh, the lead changes hands quite a lot here, and it changes hands quite quickly. And the narrative is that mm-hmm. Intel's quite a long way behind. It's quite hard to close that gap. And at the time, I said something like, look, I think with Intel, you're priced to lose, basically. Um, it's priced like something that's behind, and it's got the resources to try and get itself back out in front again. Uh, and maybe that kind of rings true a little bit. I've since gone off the idea and concluded that there's too much about chips and tech that I don't know enough about to have a convincing idea as to who's right in this kind of game. Mm. But I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, to think that in an area where you're not sure, you're priced to have a go with Intel, certainly, because that stock's been coming back down again recently from what I saw of it. I sold it a while back. I won't bother going into the numbers because people might ask to see my bank account or something. But um, what's <laughs> what the kind of thing with Intel, I guess, is, okay, so they're behind, maybe. Um, but sometimes you're priced to have a go particularly i guess if you like a dividend they have a lot of cash lying around they have a lot of capacity oh, to use it. it's a we share buyback that. program yeah exactly we, we said that to anybody who'd listen on the discord for as long as uh, long as you want the the dividend intel's dividend plus their share buyback program plus uh, even the two or three percent growth a year in share price and you will make your 10 percent return quite comfortably yeah um and like you say the the narrative is kind of turning a little bit it's just not really with the with the youngy people at the moment i noticed that msi is so- selling all intel i9 chips at the moment uh which surprised me because i thought they would go uh amd straight away but nope they've stayed intel and a lot of other companies are staying intel as well which which very in the real in the retail space the complicated part and i agree with you on this on the semiconductors it's such a complicated space a lot of people a lot of people say that they understand it, but I think it's a very, very complicated place. The x86 arm little thing that's going on there, and then you've got Apple, Google, Samsung, all making their deciding. I thought to you were talking about test. Elon Musk's child then for a second. Yeah. X86 arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, but like to to mention Elon Musk, uh, Tesla are saying they're going to design and build their own chips very, very soon. So there's a lot of. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of fluidity in this space at the moment, and it might not be as hard to make chips. This Samsung as well. Tesla. People often forget about Samsung, which is another really well-priced yeah. stock, which does mm-hmm. all of those kind of things. Memory as well. So here's the Samsung, thing that I, thought... I have said. Sorry, go on. No, Samsung. I've said for a while I've wanted to buy, uh, and I haven't done it yet. I don't know why. I haven't got a clue. Is that because that's not ISA compliant either? Uh, I think you, it might be it might it might have been the reason why i thought you could get it in no i think it's on the otc isn't it off the top of my head i think is it? it is no it's definitely yeah. going to be an adr but i just don't know if it's hmrc recognized stock exchange i'm not sure yeah i think steve's thought is it's not on any exchange at all it's just traded over the counter a bit like tencent right oh is it okay <laughs> that's what i'm thinking yeah, yeah. fair enough yeah uh, um, I yeah, had a, what I think may well have been a dream at some point, um, but I just Googled it and it seems to be actually kind of true. 
that I thought I remembered Steve sharing something on the Discord that had IBM producing two nanometer chips of some sort. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's um, a difference between producing a two nanometer chip there and producing it commercially, isn't there? That's what uh-huh. the gist of IBM. I, I was trying to figure out what was going on there, but yeah. Uh, that was also about yeah, how they go the about same doing with... things and what they do with it. Yeah, it's the same with IBM's uh, artificial intelligence. They've created artificial uh, artificial intelligence, and they arguably have have one of the best artificial intelligences out there. But they can't bring it to any form of product. They can't make it work in real life. So it largely just sits there doing nothing. But um, interesting, um, interesting bit of news I saw, which I haven't really looked into too much yet. Raytheon and IBM are working together on AI. So if you wanted to know where Terminator started, uh, look right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's frightening. <laughs> no. They'd get an ESG <laughs> score of like 180, though, wouldn't they? So, <laughs> yeah. Terminator killed 8,000 people, but they planted six trees. ESG <laughs> score 10 million. <laughs> All right, I think we've gone through a lot of news there. That's been a, a, a good thing. The only thing I can really think about, about uh, talking about is Jamie Dimon hating uh, Bitcoin. Have you got anything on that? Because I did enjoy talking about this um it's just a funny thing i, th- I thought it was it, it, to be fair i thought it was kind of a it, the headlines were jamie diamond thinks bitcoin is worthless but it's not really what he said he kind of he, he, he wasn't Definitely talking not. as if he was jp morgan um he was talking realistically from his from himself he said look we'll still buy it as jp morgan we'll still buy it if our clients want it we will still help facilitate you buying it and and you know we will help show you how to buy it but himself he wasn't overly keen on it his but, case was mainly you know, based around regulation wasn't it that he thinks it's going to get regulated one way or another or banned or something right and and he's not wrong there is he because i think at some point regulation has to kick in but it's I, I can't i just don't see it being banned i think there's just i think it's a very difficult thing to ban um, um but yeah i just don't think i just don't see a ban at the moment i don't think that's on the on the horizon uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. So, yeah, Jamie Dimon says it's worthless, and that's what went around the Bitcoin space. I noticed it being shared by absolutely everybody, and they were like, look at this idiot, blah, blah, blah. But really, the the title of that story should have been Jamie Dimon facilitates the buying of Bitcoin. That was the, that was the story. He was opening mm. it up to to uh institutional investors it's it's allowing those people who bank with jp morgan to buy bitcoin he's like well if you're an idiot if you if you're stupid enough to buy it then buy it by the way uh i don't hate bitcoin in any way i i i'm a big proponent of it if anybody uh, wants to see the change in my mindset that's going on right now uh, listen to the latest uh, rational reminder podcast where they have um Cameron, what's his face? Who did the? Uh, he won the Nobel Prize for. Uh, was it Nobel Prize? <laughs> um, Cameron, what's his face? <laughs> Cameron, what's his face? He, he, the, the one that did the paper on. Oh yeah, the guy. He did the thing with um, Barry Thingamy, right? Inefficient, inefficient market hypothesis. That was what it was, I think. Or it might be the other one. Uh, but anyway, he's very much been uh, a, a sort of value. Um, 
uh, emerging markets and uh, very, very index investing. And he has now come out and said, you know what? Cryptocurrency is a real thing and smart contracts and decentralized finance is going to be a huge thing. And to hear this from real value investors, real index investors who have initially been quite against this and quite risk averse to all this, now jumping on board is, is something's changing. I think something's changing and we're starting to feel the cryptocurrency take on it. I don't know what your, I'd love to hear your views on this, Steve W, because I know, I know, I just imagine that you just don't care about it. Broadly speaking, I don't. Um, but not caring is not quite the same thing as hating it. So the, sort of the yeah. way I view Bitcoin is that it behaves in roughly... This is a kind of really good candidate, I think, for a technical analysis insofar as it works. So technical analysis is, as far as I can tell, a way of trying to predict what other people are going to think, basically. Uh, and the way to make money on Bitcoin, uh, it won't pay a dividend, fairly obviously, um, and it won't produce any kind of cash flow, which is what Jamie Dimon means, I think, when he says it's worthless. So the way to make money on it is yep. straightforwardly to sell it for more than you bought it for. Um, and a lot of investors, in particular kind of value investors, tend to think there's something kind of disreputable about that. They tend to think that they call it speculation, which it kind of is, but they view that as a, a kind of negative word. I'm fine with the idea of speculation. And if I was going to be a speculator, what I would want to do is try and know who's going to buy something for what. And if I was going to try and figure out who's going to buy something for what, I would try and figure out how a load of people think about it. And the way that a load of people think about it is by drawing lines and shapes and stuff on charts, uh, basically, and suggesting <laughs> that, look, uh, when it hits this point, it should go up and enough people think it's going to go up, they'll buy it and make it go up. Um, so these kind of things do self-reinforce. There's not nothing there uh, for what it's worth. Um, Bitcoin stuff is not in the way that people think it is, as far as I can tell anyway, uh, just shutting your eyes and stabbing in the dark wildly at something. But I mean, it can be if you do it wrong, but it doesn't have to be. Uh, absolutely, I'm on the side of the idea of things like uh, technical analysis and so on will give you a decent predictor of what people are thinking, at least a lot of the time. I mean, it will go wrong in a lot of cases, in particular in the level of stocks, right? I mean, lines on charts didn't tell you anything about the relationship between Alibaba and the Chinese government or how that's going to play out. Uh, but um, as far as Bitcoins goes, I'm happy enough with it in the way that I'm happy with kind of any rough commodity, basically. Uh, if you think the chart looks like an interesting shape that makes sense to you to buy because you think this means it will go up, by all means do it and good luck to you. Yeah, and to come back to um, Jamie Dimon, Jamie Dimon famously said a couple of months back that uh, to the JP Morgan staff that they should be shit scared of fintech space. They should be shit scared of Square and PayPal and all that sort of thing. Um, and that's actually gone a little bit further now because I think even he said it himself that actually fin the new fintech space uh, that might be looking to kill Visa and kill JP Morgan, the banks are really crapping themselves about. They shouldn't be worried about it. They should be worried about cryptocurrencies and de decentralized finance because this new fintech space that's being built is actually going to be quite fleeting and it's going to only be around for a short time as a stopgap between the banks to fintech to uh, decentralized currencies. And I kind of believe that. I think that's what's going to happen. I think, I think it's too powerful now. I think places like Ethereum are going to, they're going to change the world. And I think we're not, we're, we're still quite far away from it. The, the US currency is going to be around for a very, very, very long time still. But I do think that let's say, um, what, how much is there in, uh, going through the banks at the moment, like 3 trillion, something like that. One, uh, every couple of hours, um, you take that and you make it 
into a decentralized currency, you, you start to realize that what is being bought right now by the the all of the cryptos, all twelve or thirteen thousand of the cryptos, is actually one percent of what it could be, and we are in a in a strange place right now where we are on the ground floor of something quite massive. We've just got to be very careful which one is going to of which one is going to win because we just don't know. There's too many possible outcomes, and I think where there's where there are smart value investors out there. I'm not talking about Charlie Munger and stuff like that. And although Charlie Munger is of course extremely smart, I'm just saying he he I don't think he cares about it, and with, for that reason he's quite anti it, uh, and therefore just doesn't quite understand it. But there are some value investors out there going, okay, we do see where it's going, but we have to we ha we have to pick our time. We have to figure out and know which one's going to be the top currency before we start blowing loads of money on shitcoin and cum rocket and all that and mm. Hitcoin and, and the rest of them. So I can't uh, wait to cum rocket in Stanley Druckenmiller's thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or like Oh, uh, an interesting thing I heard the other day as well is that it's going to bring back bartering, which was quite an interesting concept. It's it it won't be that we're just going to have one coin. It'll be that we'll have various coins, and even you'll be able to store gold as a cryptocurrency. So you'll go to a shop and you'll want to pay with something, but what you'll pay with is what the uh, the shop wants to own. So you might have five or six different types of coins that do different things. And you'll they'll decide what you pay in, and, and <clears throat> the good thing about it is it'll be seamlessly convertible. So it was so quite an interesting. Just to quite an tag interesting on the thought. I, so. the other day. I I used to work with somebody who grew up in China, and um, he came over just after. Uh, uh, sorry, on, it was on the run up to the Chinese Olympics, and he said to me, and the, the topic it does link together, but. the the topic essentially is that what you're saying is far too complex for people to understand. And I'll, I'll explain this by saying when he was in China in the run-up to the Olympics and all of the cities that were hosting the various different, uh, the provinces that were holding the various different um, Olympic games and events had to have a, a little leaflet delivered to every door in China to ask them to not shit in the street. <laughs> <laughs> and if we're going to buy a cucumber and you're not sure if you're going to pay in gold, silver, cum rocket, dogecoin, shiba inu coin, bitcoin, ethereum, polka dot, sushi swap, uniswap, I could keep going. I think it's too <laughs> complex. Do you know what I mean? If we get to the point where we have to tell people yeah. not to shit in the street, you ain't going to buy a cucumber with cryptocurrency as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it needs to be simplified. And it will, because a lot of these projects will just run yeah. out of money. They'll run out of money, yeah. and they will they will die off, and there'll be some consolidation, because that's what happens. Now, we've got to hope that the consolidation happens, and we end up with some good currencies, because if we end up with some bad currencies, then you know we might be on the first floor, but the uh, unfortunately, the building's going to collapse on us. So I think that's so where we are. It's a good way of putting it, but how do we get that through to people? How do we try and help people know about this because uh, by the looks of things upset Paul that much. he's frozen oh, oh sorry i was waiting yeah, to say something <laughs> because i don't yeah. know what's going on <laughs> uh, but um and the last thing was with we were talking about regulation and jamie diamond thinking that it's going to get banned or something i don't think he went as far as it was going to get banned i think what he was saying that it was going to get regulated and he said that was a bad mm. thing but i don't think it is going to be a bad thing i don't think that regulation for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies is a bad thing. I think it legitimizes it. I think it does. that it, it 
I think it mm. gives it some control. And I think there's once they do that, and that's why the government aren't doing it because they don't have the government don't have control over it yet. They haven't created their own, or they haven't figured out how to sort of funnel the public into using their crypto crypto based coin or whatever they might create. So they're not willing to legitimize it until they've had, they've got a little bit more control over where it goes. And that's the problem. Regu regulation is acceptance, isn't it? That's, that's the idea. Yeah. Regulation is, is acceptance. Um, it's time trying to say, that, okay, this is the thing now and we're going to try and protect you from the pitfalls of it. Um, so that's, yeah, it's an interesting point. Yeah. And going back to Munger, he doesn't understand it because his main thing was, um, about how criminals use Bitcoin and how it was easy for criminals. When in fact, I think it was, it's the worst place for criminals to go because as soon as you move it somewhere and as soon as you pay for something, you can be detected. They can figure out where you are. And mm. it's all because the, everybody knows where all the, all the payments are going. And yeah, sorry. I, I, I don't like people like, it's a shame to go against someone like Munger and Diamond, who are two people which are much, much smarter than me. But I don't think they've taken the time to sit there and understand this, and I don't think they care. And uh, I, for that reason, I think there's there's something there, but it's only, still only worth about 5% of my portfolio because of the mm. same reason everyone else has got a problem, that we can't Mon figure out which one's going to win. Key point on Munger is it's always circle competence. Circle competence, everything else is, is rubbish in his eyes, and, and that's how he's, yeah. he will that's how he will be yeah fucking boomer <laughs> he's not a boomer <laughs> no his kids no. are boomers right yeah he's a viking he's like from the, fight, fight the georgian or something like that is <laughs> all right uh thank you very much everybody for listening today uh to the plain footsie podcast uh please leave us a five-star review on the podcast on apple Podcasts, <laughs> google podcast blah 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 or leave us a comment in uh, the comments below the YouTube video. Give it a like, subscribe, and let us know what you think. I think we got a little bit too deep in the end there. Was there any news that we missed out that you wanted to talk about that we can talk about next week? And obviously, feel free to leave us any questions, which we go to answer on the midweek footsie. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, Paul, sorry, I have, I have a question, Paul. Um, go on. Where can I get one of those hoodies like Steve D's got? <laughs> God, I hate, I hate you. I, I hate. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be like Kurt Cobain. I'm going to shoot myself with a shotgun because everything's becoming so commercialised. Uh, there is a serious <laughs> point to this, actually, to be fair. So, uh, Tiger Tom from the Discord has put some work into improving our designs for us, and we're very grateful for these kind of things. Yes. So, uh, com. do have a look at his work there because he's done a really good job, um, and that's something we wouldn't like to go unnoticed, even if you're... Uh, you own enough hoodies. Do have at least have a look at what he's done. Yeah, and if anyone wants to buy a hoodie, it does help. It does help us out. It allows us to buy this software for us to uh, record these things. So uh, you're doing a great service if you do uh, buy a hoodie because everything goes back into the back into the podcast. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. The sucker's going up.